Hey, hey, water coolians! Welcome back to another episode of Water Cooler Talk. Unless, unless you're from the state of Vermont, uh, listeners, if you know anyone who lives in the U.S. state of Vermont, make sure to share the podcast with them. Once Vermont joins the program, we will have complete coverage of the uh, over the fifty United States, and we can begin our world domination. What's that? No, I shouldn't. I shouldn't be public with that yet. Okay, I will. I'll make sure to cut that out. Uh, In today's episode, we are joined by a friend of the show, Marla Klein. As I mentioned in the episode, I had met Marla through needing behind-the-scenes photos for the Guilty Until Proven Innocent project that's happening with The Real Is Back music, and just her photography, her style, her eye to capture powerful images was just leagues, leagues ahead of anyone else in the industry, so it was a pleasure to talk art with her and to have her share more information about her metamorphosis project that hopefully will still have a showing later this year, uh, depending on how the pandemic plays out and if art shows are still able to go on during that time. In this episode, we discuss the importance of art in our society and how a $120,000 banana is creating conversation. And then we cover a story on transgender rights, which we recorded this episode about a month ago. It's even more poignant in the wake of the recent Supreme Court decision on transgender discrimination in the workplace. Uh, But much of what I said in the episode, I still stand by a month later. Let people be people. Let them feel however they want to feel about themselves. You know, if if you disagree with the Supreme Court decision, you have that right. That's your belief, but understand the conversation is moving forward with or without you. There's no reason to discriminate against somebody because you feel uncomfortable. Have a conversation, listen, learn, grow, except the world is becoming more unified. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, this is Water Cooler Talk episode 40 titled Art That Moves Us with Marla Klein. Enjoy. This is the story of a podcast that takes weird news from across the world. And while many of these stories may seem fake, they're absolutely not. Because they're real. The hardships of that one. Yeah, it's, it's really bizarre feeling or like someone can like really hear your voice in their own head. Yeah, well you do have a you do have a nice voice and I definitely understand like you're with your voice. The same thing as like when you look in the mirror, I feel like you kind of have you're able to like point out all the things that like you're like, oh that doesn't look so great. But someone else who's like only sees you every other time they're like ah you look fine so i definitely <laughs> understand that because i have to edit these episodes and i get sick of my voice yeah <laughs> all right marla are you ready to jump into our first news story of this episode yeah bring it all right this is from newsweek culture banana duct tape to a wall sells for 120,000 at art basil miami not one not two but three bananas duct taped to a wall have sold for more than a hundred thousand a piece the first edition being sold to a French woman and the second edition being sold to a French man for $120,000 and a third edition being sold for $150,000. Italian artist Maurizio Catalan, who is well known for the now missing, fully functioning 8 carat solid gold toilet titled America, is the artist behind the perplexing work titled Comedian, whose meaning has yet to be explained. Gallery founder Emmanuel Peritone, who was responsible for the International Art Fair Art Basel Miami, was surprised by the passion and uproar caused by Comedian, and decided to give the piece its own meaning, referring to bananas being a symbol of global trade, a double entendre, and as well, a classic device of humor. 
Periton's gallery stated that Catalan came up with the idea for Comedian about a year ago and opted to use a real banana after initially conceiving the idea for a sculpted shaped banana. The statement reads, Every time he traveled, he brought a banana with him and hung it in his hotel room to find inspiration. He made several models, first in resin, then in bronze, and in painted bronze, finally coming back to the initial idea of a real banana. Uh, Marla, in your opinion, what is the purpose of art? <laughs> We're starting off with the big question. That's <laughs> coloded. Well, I think in like this case, like with um, contemporary art, especially, like it's more about like making people talk about it. Um, there's so much of it um, now that people have access to like around the world. It needs to like stand out and like make a statement, even if like that statement like isn't really clear of like what the artist is trying to say. The fact that it's like making people talk about it. I think it's like really valuable by itself, which like I think kind of uh, justifies the price tag. Um, <laughs> I couldn't pay for it that much for it, but like I, I understand like why someone who could afford it like, paid that much for it, kind of. Well, yeah, like when you really think about art, like isn't most art to produce some sort of conversation? Right, exactly. And this is a case where people are talking about a banana duct taped to a wall what is it months and months later after it already happened i mean we're sitting here talking about a banana on a wall i think that's you know a big purpose of what art is is you know kind of jumping off what you're saying is to kind of produce these conversations to produce thought yeah like and um, obviously like the artwork itself isn't gonna last more than like a week before it goes bad <laughs> um, but like the, the people who bought it like they they bought it because like it's like the first to be made like it's the first like the artist was the first person to have that idea of taping fruit to a wall so like that's why it's so famous and that's why people are talking about it and like that's why people paid so much money for it yeah i really like that analysis you're you're much more in tune with the art world than myself is this a common thing to have art that maybe last a certain time because I know, like, for instance, there was like a Banksy painting when it was bought, it got shredded right away. Is that like a, a more common thing now in the arts industry? Yeah, I'd say so. It's much more like a contemporary art thing than um, what people had to work with even 100 years ago or, or more. I mean, the artist has not yet given meaning to this piece. Uh, who knows if there even is meaning, but do you think this piece has a solid meaning or do you believe the meaning is supposed to be like we talked about about the conversation art creates by being subjective or is it is it something completely else um i don't know it's hard to say like i i took it as like just being like a conversation piece and like something that makes people talk but um, yeah maybe the artist like made up a meeting like after he made it and was like oh this means i think something nature dying or whatever oh that's a good one yeah i don't know yeah i think you know when you really try to find I, that's the thing I'm interested or I'm it's interesting that he called a comedian because comedy is very subjective. So is art. So you can kind of take whatever meaning you look at it. Like, I don't even know a famous painting. What's a, the Mona Lisa? Everyone who looks at that painting sees something different. And then do, I don't know. What's the painting behind the Mona Lisa? Do you know that painting? I don't. <laughs> I'm going to look it up real quick because painting. What do I even look up? Painting in the room of Mona Lisa. The wedding at Canaan. Canna? The wedding at Canana? But anyway, it's like the Mona Lisa means something, but then you turn around. The, the point I was trying to get to, Marla, here, a very rambling point. <laughs> uh, like if you turn around and there's this magnificent painting and this painting has so many different meaning and then kind of the influence of the Mona Lisa being in the same room, you might see 
that meaning in a totally different light if that huge painting was in another room. So I think when you're kind of talking about, you know, what is the meaning of art, you kind of get into that that well of it could really mean anything. It depends on kind of how you're feeling that day. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so Marla, you have uh, quite a few projects of your own. You feel free to share them if you want. How, how do you find inspiration in the work? How do you find inspiration in the art? Do you sit at home and stare at a banana for hours? <laughs> um, sometimes. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> it depends on like the, um, the photo shoot itself or like um, if I'm working on like a design or um, like an ad campaign. Um, it all depends on like the assignment or the project that I'm starting. But I get inspired by like all kinds of things like music or um, song lyrics, other photographs. Like I'll um, like artists steal like all the time <laughs> uh, from other artworks. I try to like take like little pieces of like like maybe like I'll be inspired by like the color, the coloring of another photograph, the the meaning that I see when I see a photo series or something like that. It really just depends. It's not like I'm always like looking for the inspiration, but sometimes it just like pops up out of nowhere and then I'll think of something from that. I like that. I definitely like how you mentioned like not exactly stealing from other artists, but like taking inspiration from other artists. If you think about like storytelling, we're basically all telling the same story just with our own take on it. And I think art's kind of similar. We're all you know, sharing art with our own take on it. Like when you are getting inspiration from other artists, where or how do you draw that line between taking too much? I don't know. That's that's hard. I guess it's just like a learned thing that you learn over time. Um, like back when I was in photo school, I would not really copy like other photos that I'd seen, but I'd like try to like learn like the lighting that they had used or use like the poses that they used. And I still do that, but like not like directly like as much so that people like notice that it's like derived from a different photo or from a different style of another photographer yeah i guess you just like have to like learn to be sneaky (laughs) (laughs) sneakily get those inspirations no but that's you make a very good point it's like when most people are starting you're kind of copying what other people are doing it's like Mm -hmm. i remember specifically in video it's like growing up watching a lot of scorsese it was like oh i was trying to copy a lot of what scorsese does and then while you're in that process you kind of find things that work better for you or you like this or you like that or you like that so you may start by you know copying what scorsese does but a few years later once you have that experience you're kind of making your own product that's influenced by say scorsese influenced by say Scorsese did you have like an artist or a photographer like growing up that you kind of like who was your Scorsese um I had a lot one of my favorite photographer is um Flora Bjorkson I don't even know if like I'm saying her name right but I love her work so much and she's like very like photoshop heavy and like um she's very like surrealist and like the the compositions that she comes up with are incredible and then I also, I love the work of like my own like personal friends too. Like um, his, uh, like there's Rob Woodcox, who is a, like a fashion and conceptual photographer. He's based in Mexico City and he's a good friend of mine now. My friend Peter Jamis, who's uh, here in Minneapolis. He's a, um, a filmmaker and photographer. So I've kind of like learned to learn from their, from their own styles and from their like um, their techniques and their storytelling methods um, and kind of weave those into my own style in my own way but still like learn from them at the same time (laughs) yeah yeah no yeah exactly taking little bits and pieces and becoming your own self because like i don't know i don't know how you feel about this but i 
I feel like no one's truly original. You know, you can have a high percentage of originality, but there's still some influence. There has to be some influence. Nobody just wakes up one day and says, I'm going to do this because I've never seen it happen before. You do see things that like have never been, you know, you've, this is the first time you've ever probably seen someone tape a banana to a wall and sell it for 120,000. But there's a possibility that, you know, this Maurizio Catalan artist was influenced by someone else. But it seems so unique to us because this is the first time we're seeing it, but he's probably seen other iterations of this that gave him the influence for this banana art piece. Yeah, definitely. And like that's like what creates new styles and like new like periods in art where you look at art history and it's like the styles are always evolving, but they get they get placed into different periods of art, like contemporary, modern, and Renaissance period and postmodernism. No, I like that uh, explanation. And then, kind of, Marla, what like do you have a favorite piece of art? Like a piece of art that just makes you like you always hear about the stories about people who see this art and they just start crying, or they have all these emotions, or they have happiness, sadness, anger, whatever. Like, is there a piece of art that just moves you? When I was when I went to France when I was in high school, um, we went to the Chartreuse. Can't say the right charge for cathedral, um, and the whole ceiling is—it's like a—it's a massive, like tall ceiling, and it's painted blue with um, little stars all over it, and it's so beautiful. And that was um, one of the first times I had like been in a place where like I felt like crying. So it was so beautiful, um, and it's this massive, like old cathedral. I want to say from like the 1400s or something. I could be totally wrong, but um, yeah, that was—it was like stunning. So that was a beautiful like piece of art that I've witnessed. Um, my favorite photo is by that same photographer, Flora Gorsi. I should have like looked up how to say her name. <laughs> I'm doing her justice. Um, but she like has this photo that I don't know how to describe it, but it's my favorite photo of these two women that are like colliding and like um, there's like butterflies like, spilling out of them and it look or like they're I'm not saying, I'm not like describing it right. I'll, I'll look it up. This will be horrible for our listening audience, <laughs> but at least, uh, so I'm on Google Images here. I'm not actually on her website. So maybe I should be on her website, give her the SEO yeah. support. <laughs> but she got like the Photoshop landing page. Like when you open up Photoshop, Adobe like hires or like takes artwork from an artist every year for their updates. And so she had like the landing page for Photoshop. Um, like a couple years ago. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I really, I like the Photoshop one. Listeners, you have to, you have to go to the website, floraborisi.com. Um, but I like the one where it's like a, like it's a photo of a woman. She looks, have red hair and then it looks like there's makeup on like a screen in front of her and it's like spread out and scratched out. I really like that one. But anyways, yes, go back to what you were saying. Now that we got a good, at least me and you got a good visual reference. The listeners are like, what's going on here? <laughs> But back to your favorite piece of art. Um, yeah, so it's um, one of her photos. It's like, it's just so powerful. And it's like, has the, it's just like all movement photos that have like some element of movement. I think they're much more interesting and much more powerful. That's what I, I like get inspired by is like a lot of um, showing a lot of movement, even if it's like a still photograph or a painting. Well, that's interesting. I was watching this. I don't know if you watch those Vox Explains on Netflix, but they had one about beauty and they talked about how people perceive the shape of a rectangle to be like very attracting to the eye. So it's interesting that you talk about movement and then you have rectangles, which I don't even know if those could be considered moving, but I guess you kind of could because it's, you know, this is the thing about art that I like about art and it's just so subjective and you could have one person look at a rectangle and be like, it doesn't move at all. But then now that I just said it, it's like, oh, maybe a rectangle is kind of moving width wise. 
you know, the beautiful thing as we're talking about art here is it is so subjective and you can take meaning from whatever you want that meaning to be. The thing that made me cry, it was a natural art. So I was in Africa and it was the first time I had seen the night sky with no light pollution for miles and miles and miles. First time seeing the Milky Way. And it was by far one of the most beautiful things. I know that's a little more natural art, but that was like the first thing that really moved me. But like, holy shit, this is the epitome of what beautiful is. And it just was like, yeah, like I'm looking for that moment now. Like when I look at art, when I look at other things in the world, like I'm looking to not necessarily recreate that moment because that moment was special in that moment, but have like those similar feelings with something else. And I think as far as like actual physical art, I was in, I went on vacation in Maine and I was in this art shop and I was looking at this piece and it was like, it was kind of similar to actually what you have behind you with the US, but it was like a painting and in each region, there was like a different specific painting. So like in the Midwest, North Midwest, there was a painting of this bear um, hunting salmon and it was just so beautifully done. I didn't get it because it cost $500 and, you know, I didn't have enough money to, if I would have bought it, you know, I wouldn't have been able to afford to eat. But the interesting thing was like, it was one of those pieces where I was like, I'm considering not eating for a few days just so I can have this piece of art. And I think when you're talking about how does art move you, like that's a, that's a big part of it. If you're considering not eating to get this piece, that art has some meaning to you. Yeah, absolutely. And it's kind of like reminds me of um, um, like street musicians when they're playing or they're busking and like the like kind of the rule of thumb is if, if you are stopped by the music, then you like owe them a dollar because that moved you enough to just stop what you're doing and um, interrupt your day to enjoy it. Yes. Thank you, Marla. Once, once we get back into the real world here, I think I learned that by some person when I was traveling, like if you're stopped by a musician, you owe them a dollar, at least a dollar. Yeah. Because it is. It's like if you're interrupting your day to enjoy their arts, support that art. And that like speaking of supporting art, like how do like once we're kind of moving on from this quarantine stay at home, like how should people start supporting art and artists and creatives more? Um, I guess like once museums and galleries are able to open up again, like go support them and just like go visit them. That's one like really easy way to, to do it. You can share in like their photos um, online. You can comment on them and that like raises like the, the SEO of their uh, social, me- social media posts. You can with like photographers or um, painters who take commissions, you can buy a photo shoot um, ahead of time. Like you could buy one now and then use that use that photo shoot later at another time. Like it gets your like it gets certificate. Oh, I think that's good. Just yeah, finding ways to support art, especially in this line. Like you said, you know, kind of supporting them in ways that maybe you don't think are normal. Even just, you know, like we talked about with, you know, the website, even just going to their website and helping them with SEO and getting to the top page of Google or Bing. I mean, if you're using Bing, I mean, come on. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, Marla, we kind of started this story or our que- in our conversation with a big question. So we're going to end the story with a big question. In your opinion, just how does art impact society? I guess in just like every way, because art's everywhere you look, like it's, it's in the movies that you watch and it's in like the design of public signs it's in logos of companies that you look at it's um in the music uh, that you hear on the radio or on spotify it's just everywhere and you don't realize it until it's gone like with the pandemic like so many forms of art are are being repressed or like they can't they can't afford to 
being made. So that's when you like start to notice it is when it's gone. I really like that. That should be your life quote. Art is everywhere. Cause it's so that that's true. Like there is literally everything we look at. There had to be some sort of creative artist that designed that. Like I'm looking at the keyboard of my computer here. There's like someone who specifically designed those keys to look that certain way. And it's, yeah, I think that's an important message, especially in these times is to remember art is everywhere. You know, you may not be able to go to a concert or a museum or a art, you know, art museum or something like that, but that doesn't still mean that there's no art being created. Like there's so many creative people still creating art. It just happens that they're trying different ways to do it. Uh, I would like to welcome to the show Marla Klein. Marla is a commercial photographer and art director based in Minneapolis, specializing in conceptual artwork and social justice-based imagery. Marla, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Uh, We met through Craigslist, I believe. I'm not... (laughs) I can't yeah, exactly yeah. remember. Yes. Yeah, we did. Uh, you helped take some behind the scenes photos for our Guilty Until Proven Innocent project with the Real is Back music. Just when you're starting up, did you have like a moment, a series of moments in your life that you knew the creative path was the only right path for you to follow? I never really considered it, but I guess it's just like the only way I've ever lived growing up like art was always like really encouraged and um, I just like worked on all kinds of a a lot of like visual um, arts projects my mom kind of forced me to take ballet for like (laughs) like um, from age like three to six or something it was like I was really bad (laughs) I I went to a fine art charter school for for high school so I got to try out like every kind of artwork or every genre of art that um, I wanted to like dance and acting and visual art, pottery, just like anything I wanted to. So that was really cool to like get to find out like what I was good at. And photography was the one that um, sucked the most. So then I ended up going to a photography school um, out in Massachusetts for um, college. So that's like how I got started. And I guess I just like never considered not being an artist, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just always been like part of my identity. You know, it's so happy that you were able to have such a supportive community kind of and family behind you to support the arts. And because that's one of the things where you know, I'm glad you mentioned dance, too, because like that's one of the things like I wish I would have danced more or done some kind of dance class because it's such a I feel like dance specifically teaches you so much about the movement of you and the movement of the world and all all these things kind of work together so that's one thing like when i have kids man they're going into dance class they're (laughs) they're doing it they're going to be dancing with the stars everything they're doing it so i'm glad you brought it up but yeah it is important that you know especially you know creative people specifically to have very supportive a very supportive family and community behind you. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and then kind of Marla, as you know, technology advances, we're in 2020 here, we've become more connected with the world. Social media opens up different kind of avenues, different influences, art becomes more subjective. What are some of the challenges you think the next generation of creators will face? I don't know. It's a very it's a word, oversaturated uh, world right now. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't be making art anyway, just because it makes you happy. So hopefully the next like generations like they 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 get that and just continue to make art, even if like they they're surrounded by um, other people making art at the same time. Because you can you can easily get access to like so many forms of art on social media and the internet now. So it's like it's easy to get or feel um, like it's like everything's already been done. Um, but there's always there's always more art to be made. I just hope that they like keep going. I think that's the important thing to remember when creating anything is 
like have happiness in it. Like you should be, first off, that should be like the first reason you're doing it is because this makes you happy. And I think it's kind of a BS statement, but I definitely get it. But it's like, you know, if you're doing something that you love, you never really work a day in your life. But the idea of it is definitely very beautiful. It's like, you know what, just find something that makes you happy and keep doing that. If you, you know, drawing or taking photos or making a podcast makes you happy, that should be the only reason you really need. And then if you start making money, even better. Yeah, definitely. Uh, listeners, if you'd like to connect and be more informed about Marla and her slate of projects, you can do so by heading to her website, www.marlamakesphotos.com. Once again, that's www.marlamakesphotos.com. Or by following her on Instagram at Marla Olivia. Once again, that's at Marla Olivia on Instagram. And as always, those links will be included in the description of this episode and available under Marla's episode on our website, www.watercoolertalkpod.com. Before we move on, as we talked about in our last episode, Water Cooler Talk is on a mission to help give back to different parts of the community and those who have helped build our show to where it stands today. For each episode, the guests will bring with them a charity of their choosing to represent. On the day of the episode going live, Water Cooler Talk will give a donation to that charity in the guest's name, as well as a global platform to spread a message of love, hope, and togetherness. And, you know, I just hope you listening to this episode can join in donating even $5 to the guest's charity or even help spread their message to a bigger audience. All that information can be found in the description of this episode. Marla, your charity of choice for today's episode is the Freeborn County Arts Initiative in Albert Lee, Minnesota. Do you mind explaining a bit about what they do and how they are an impact in the community? Yeah, so I've actually, I'm actually personally involved with them. Um, they're, it's a small um, nonprofit art gallery um, in Albert Lee. It's in the center of downtown in a um, historic opera palace. And the um, I just love like the history behind it. It has like a super romantic backstory of um, how it got built. It was built in the turn of the century last last century. The Arts Initiative itself, it's a small gallery within that building. And it's um, they work on bringing arts and culture to rural Minnesota, where everything is much more you know spread out, of course, and they don't have as much access to like arts tools and like a regular like gallery space, um, sometimes controversial or artwork that makes people talk. We try to make people talk with our shows. <laughs> So we've had all kinds of uh, new and exciting shows, such as like we've had like large scale like nude paintings from my friend Aaron Sandsmark, who um, does like large scale like flesh. Uh, <laughs> so um, she has this like magical way of working with um, human skin. It's really cool. And so she did like like huge paintings of um, nude women to show like different body styles. We've had like aerosol painter um, Reggie Lafleur who um, does like these beautiful spray paint portraits of people. We've had a Black Lives Matter show um, showing portraits of people killed by police. It gets a lot of attention in Albertly, <laughs> where it's very, it's a very conservative town and it's, it's far away from the cities. It's about 90 miles south. So it's this own little like island where it, I think having art there is really important. Well, I appreciate you sharing that because I don't think that's something most people necessarily think about is those small spread out rural towns. They don't have that chance to really take in art that we may have in a city or a large metropolitan area. You know, so yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, you're welcome. All right, Marla, are you ready to jump into our last news story of the day? Yeah, go for it. All right, this story is from NBC News. It is from November 17th, 2016. Uh, So we will have an update at the end after I get through the story. Minnesota mom sues her trans child over gender reassignment. 
A Minnesota mom has filed a lawsuit against her 17-year-old transgender daughter along with county health boards, a school district, and local healthcare nonprofits. The mother's lawsuit claims, It was brought to my knowledge that my son began receiving hormone-replacing treatment from Park Nicollet Health Services to transition from male to female, with medical assistance paying for this. I was not consulted or informed about this in any way. Her lawsuit will challenge a Minnesota law that allows minors who are living separate or apart from their parents-slash-guardians to access medical care and procedures without the parent's consent. Minnesota does not have a legal process for the emancipation of minors, but the above-mentioned law makes it clear that minors who aren't living at home are essentially considered adults when it comes to their own medical care. Uh, the teen in question for the story had been living with friends in an apartment since the age of 15. An emancipation notice had been filed a year prior and included the statement, Mother has made it known to him that she no longer wished to have any contact with him knows where he is and has made no attempts to bring him home, has taken no action to report him as a runaway or taken legal action to keep him in her home. Also included in the notice was a doctor's letter that stated that the teen had undergone gender transition treatment and should be issued new female identity documents. The mother's legal team refers to the decision as a life-changing operation that will be undergone by the teen. But the vast majority of transgender people don't have the surgery until after 18 if they have the surgery at all. On average, the surgery costs about $20,000 over a two-year period. Jameson Green, former president of the World Professional Association for Transgender Health and one of the first publicly open transgender men in America, noted that the teen in question has likely only been on hormone therapy for a year or less and in most cases would need to be on hormones for at least a year before surgery. He states, Surgery is highly unlikely before 18. Doctors are going to monitor the effects of the hormones and the psychological development the patient goes through. And at a certain point, the doctors will determine when surgery is an option. For trans youth, the Trevor Project states around about 2% of most high school students identify as transgender. With most transgender teens being at risk for self-harm and suicide, receiving support for the identified gender is the first step. Green continues, For one such example, if the teen is, if the teen is presenting as a female, Name change documents are very important. The reduced anxiety and exposure to certain kinds of violence that are preventable when showing people your ID. Phil Duran, legal director of Outfront Minnesota, stated the lawsuit allegations were perplexing. At 17 years old, a trans girl is at best going to get access to counseling and hormones. There's reference in the press release by the mother's legal team to a surgery or operation. It would be incredibly unlikely that a minor would get access to surgery. He continues, there's no evidence that this kid is legally emancipated, referring to the Minnesota law, um, not legally using the term emancipation that we mentioned earlier, it is a head-scratcher as to what the mother expects the courts to do to reverse a decision that was never made. At a press conference, the mother told reporters, The transitioning thing isn't even the issue. The issue that he's, the mother and her attorneys repeatedly refer to the teen as male, are able to make those medical decisions. Parents want to be notified and included in their minor child's medical decisions. According to court documents, the teen turns 18 in July, seven months after the lawsuit being filed by the mother, which means the case will not be relevant to the family once the teen turns 18. But it could inspire more parents to try to oppose their transgender children in court, a terrifying prospect for LGBTQ youth, many of whom already struggle with acceptance at home. So then the update to this story four years later, a district court ruled against the mother and that the and that decision was affirmed by the 8th Circuit Court of Appeals in March of 2019, since the teen had already turned 18 and the case was mute. But 
After dropping her daughter from the lawsuit, the mother has continued her fight in an attempt to take her case to the Supreme Court, stating the parental due process clause rights, the right to raise a child as a parent chooses, was violated by St. Louis County medical providers and the St. Louis County School District. It should be known that the mother is being represented by the anti-abortion law firm Thomas More Society, who may have ulterior motives. Uh, Marla, as you mentioned to me, you are in the middle of your passion series, The Metamorphosis Project which is a photo series documenting people's gender transitions over the past three years. Those photos, uh, as you said, will be a part of a book and a gallery exhibition in fall. Why are those stories important to tell? Um, I think for multiple reasons. Um, one is it gives validation to the people that I'm photographing that they're making the right decision and that, they're, that their gender is valid. I think it's like super important to them and it like gives them like a beautiful like physical or a tangible um, documentation of their of this massive journey in their life. I think that's really cool. Um, I think it also is a really great education piece for people who don't understand the process or they don't understand the emotional and mental toll that it takes on a person. I don't want to say toll, but it's a really big decision. And I think art has a way of kind of educating and like to bring empathy to the table as well. I've seen people like accept the journey more um except the the story more and i've seen people like with the i, I did a, a smaller exhibition two years ago with um, my first series that i did of my friend kylie um of her gender transition and uh it was over the the photo series was over 18 months showing her like monthly um changes and and then that was a gallery exhibition that i had at the at the gallery down in albert lee and that's where it premiered which was really interesting because like the people in the town hadn't, a lot of them hadn't like ever met a trans person before. So that was super fascinating. And it like made people, I, I watched as people went in there kind of upset that we had a show like that in the gallery and watched people's faces as they read her descriptions that, that went with each um, photo and like looked at the photos. And it, it's really powerful how art can kind of change people's minds about something like that as they like put a face to the transgender community as they could personally like name someone in that community now. Well, yeah, I think you tend to care about a cause more if you have some personal connection. And it sounds like this is kind of what your project is doing is creating that personal connection. Yeah, definitely. And it's just one of those things where at the end of the day, you know, it's important to tell these stories because, you know, like you said, some people in Albert Lee, for example, might not know about this or might not have that connection. So now, you know, they have, you know, as I said, that personal connection and kind of can move forward and be more accepting. And maybe their friend makes an off comet joke and they're like, well, you know what? Now, you know, I have this experience and I know more about the community. I I can see how that's offensive. And maybe let's change our language around that. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, you having worked with many of those going through transition, you know, obviously this mother maybe is not the most supportive to sue your own uh, daughter. But with those who have felt comfortable sharing, what has been their experience like with parents, family, friends as they're going through this transition and kind of this change in who they are? Um, it's been a really interesting mix. For most of them, like their their parents have been like really accepting and really supportive. And some of them like have had to find like their own support network um, because their parents like refuse to either like um, use their, their chosen name and pronouns. It's kind of sad that they that their parents like weren't accepting or some of their parents like were slower to accept it. But then once they like saw the photos, like they, they kind of like 
started to come around to it or use their chosen name. I'm hoping that the series is like kind of helping with that, with with their parents like seeing like how beautiful and happy they are with their transitions. But uh, some of their parents like they they didn't want to go like go to their surgery or they like didn't want to. They just like refuse to accept this like new person in their life. I think that's you know going back to like your even. Um... Uh, journey and art and it's so important to have somewhat of a supportive community that is saying like you know you don't have to go through this alone because this is this is a huge moment in their lives you know i can never obviously you know share in the actual experience but i don't even know if this is the right way of going about it but like i can imagine like for those who you know don't go through this experience puberty which is just like a minuscule minuscule thing on the whole the whole scale which so i'm not trying to compare it at all but just like the change in your body and the awkwardness and the uncomfortableness of you not knowing what's kind of happening and what's you know what's tomorrow bringing is i i can kind of see how that could somewhat relate just a little bit if you have someone supportive while you're going through this change whether it be through gender reassignment or you know puberty which just about everyone experiences it is it's confusing it's like what are these feelings i'm supposed to you know be feeling as they talk about in the article like psychological care and just being happy with you know whatever decision you decide to make is so important just before we even start because it is it is a big decision and you know you want to be in a good place where you have a supportive community that no matter what you decide because at the end of the day it's your choice no matter what you decide you have a loving and supporting community that's willing to stand behind you with whatever decision you decide to make um and then you know talking specific going back to this mother who you know interesting lady <laughs> what were a few steps in your opinion the mother could have taken to help foster a more healthy relationship with her daughter instead of what she actually did in trying to sue her. I mean, one of the things, you know, as just the fact that parents address them by the right, you know, sex is super important. Yeah, like that would be a really helpful um, first step. I don't know, like if they had, if the daughter had ever like, come up to her mom before that, I don't know, like at what point she like left her, her parents' house, but um, probably like start by having like a, a more inviting relationship so that they the daughter would have felt more comfortable coming out to her mom like that would be the first place to start with yeah and then like accepting the her pronouns and then her name but yeah it's just super dangerous to to like learn her daughter's pronouns and name and then continue to not acknowledge those like that's really damaging to to her self-confidence and her identity that uh, her own mother like wouldn't accept those no i really like how you explain that and like you're gonna get those people who say well i don't know what to call you it's like well just ask like it just starts by just asking and having a conversation and learning more about that situation that's why i really like your project because it is it gives people an opportunity to you know learn about something they may be uncomfortable even asking about because some people are uncomfortable asking about this and having that conversation so it's it's really amazing that we have projects like yours that can kind of take away that uncomfortableness and put them in a situation where they're enjoying art, but also they're taking a deeper meaning away from that art. And then, um, you know, for those 
that you've seen who are transitioned or are transitioning, what have you seen change about their confidence, their demeanor, just their everyday being as they're going through this or after they've already gone through it? I guess in a lot of ways, it's been like really multifaceted, just like what clothing they can wear. That's been really amazing to watch. Um, Like with starting with my friend Kylie, the the first person I photographed, she's the only person that's transitioned um, in, in my group of people of male to female. So it's, it's been really fun to like, I got to like teach her about like wearing um, girl clothes, um, <laughs> like how to shop for like women's pants. Um, that was really interesting to like explain those things because <laughs> um, I'd never like gotten to, uh, I'd never had to like tell someone else about that before. So um, I like that personally, <laughs> but um, like, I got to be there for her when she um, uh, tried on uh, women's pants for the first time. And we were at the, we were at the mall and uh, I got to see like the look on her face when she came out of the dressing room with them on. And like, that was amazing. And it was like one, one of my favorite parts of her, of the whole series was to watch her, like to see the look on her face when she like accepted that like this new body is hers and she like she feels she felt like she could fit into that into that role in society in whatever way she wanted and then like with my other pe- people I've been photographing after a couple of people have had um top surgery um watch like what how they dress and like how they carry themselves it's been like really inspiring to see like their self-confidence grow and just like the way that they pose in the pictures is like it's really cool to see like they're not trying to hide anything anymore. No, I think, man, that's beautiful. I'm glad you were able to share that because that is such an important thing. Just the inner confidence in self, like you don't even need to go through this situation, but when people find inner confidence in themselves and they wear what they want to wear and they style their hair, what they, how they want to style, they color it how they want to style, they get piercing tattoos. It's so beautiful to see someone who's entirely comfortable in who they are and just to see how their face looks lights up, especially someone who, you know, beforehand may not have been comfortable, but now they found that confidence to be comfortable in themselves. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a super important part of like being a human being. I like when they can, they can feel like they can fit in more and just like be there, be a hundred percent of themselves rather than holding something back. And then Marla, kind of before we move on from this story, what would you say to someone who, you know, is having these feelings, is thinking about gender reassignments, but they're nervous, they're scared, they're conflicted? Like, what are just a few words you can give them of assurance? Because you're your own person and you get to, you're ultimately like the person who gets to decide um, what to do with your own life, what, what to do with how you present to the rest of the world. So you're absolutely in charge of your own identity and what what makes you you. So there are so many like great support networks out there, just like ready to um, always ready to take on to welcome in more people. So if you need help like finding those communities, feel free to message me or I can like help you put put them in touch with um, some kind of help, even if like your direct network isn't being supportive enough um, and it isn't accepting you. Like there's always going to be people out there that are willing to to be your supporting. Family. No, thank you very much for sharing that, Marla. You're, you can definitely tell how much passion you have on this just the, by the way you talk about it. So I appreciate you sharing that and sharing those words. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, Marla, thank you for taking the time to share your perspective on some of the strangest and most interesting news stories the world has to offer in a productive and meaningful conversation. 
Listeners, if you'd like to be more informed about Marla and her slate of upcoming projects, specifically her Metamorphosis project this fall, you can do so by heading to her website, www.marlabankspotos.com. Once again, that's www.marlamakesphotos.com, or by following her on Instagram at Marla Olivia. Once again, that's at Marla Olivia on Instagram. And as always, those links will be included in the description of this episode and available under Marla's episode on our website, www.watercoolertalkpod.com. Uh, as always, thank you to all my listeners for listening to another episode of Water Cooler Talk, the only such podcast on the internet hosted by myself and guest hosted today by Marla, where we take the strangest and most interesting real life news stories from around the world and just try and have a good old conversation about some of the ideas discussed in those bizarre news stories. And once again, ladies and gentlemen, if you'd like to reach out to the show with a local news story, or if you just want to share some of your own comments, you can do so at watercoolertalkpod at gmail.com. And you can now find all of our content centralized on our website at www.watercoolertalkpod.com from any of the links mentioned in an episode, past episodes, social media posts, and much, much more. Marla, it is tradition around here on the show for the guests to close out the show. Uh, I will give or I'll hand the floor to you. Whatever you decide to do, the floor is yours. Um, thanks so much for having me. Um, <laughs> also, if you wanted to follow the, my Metamorphosis project um, directly, my I made an Instagram account for just those photos. Um, so if you wanted to follow along, um, it's just the Metamorphosis project, all one word on Instagram or at the, Metamorph- at the Metamorphosis project. Yeah, so hopefully the um, the show will go on in October as planned, but we'll see if we can still have our openings come October with the pandemic. So uh, yeah, thanks so much for listening. Yeah, Marla, I appreciate you very much being on the show, listeners. Until next time, peace. This is the story of a podcast that takes weird news from across the world. And while many of these stories may seem fake, they're absolutely not because they're real. What an episode. We're still enjoying ourselves. There's still episodes. More Adam to love, I will I'll say that. Uh, once again, thank you to Marla for calling in on a remote interview to talk about those bizarre news stories. As always, make sure to support her and what she does by following the links in the description of the episode or by going to our website at www.watercoolertalkpod.com to find all that information in one perfect, perfect, perfect place. Also, make sure to support Marla's charity of choice for today's episode, the free County Arts Initiative in Albert Lee, Minnesota. All it takes is five dollars, the price of a coffee, to help make a difference, or even just telling a friend slash coworker about a new cause around the water cooler at work. And for those of you who may not be in the Minnesota area, may not even be in the country, I think you know what Marla mentioned. Uh, just giving art to more rural areas is important. So that's you know maybe how it can connect to you is being able to spread art to places that don't always get these different perspectives. But anyways, to the corrections. Not too many for this episode because Marla and myself are perfect, almost almost perfect, uh, like that. In the first story discussing a banana taped to a wall selling for $120,000. Yes, that's right. To correct, the painting that hangs opposite of the Mona Lisa at the Louvre is the marriage at Cana. And finally, the cathedral Marla mentioned, the Chartuch, the Chartuch, the Chartuch, the Chartuch, the Chartuch Cathedral. 
Empires began construction in 1194. I am, I am butchered that uh, pronunciation on that. All right, Water Coolians, that's another Corrections Corner. Thank you for taking the time out of your day to listen to another episode of Water Cooler Talk. Once again, thank you to Marla for calling in and talking about some of the strangest and most weirdest news stories the world has to offer. But as always, that's your Corrections. That's your episode. So get out of here. This is the story of a podcast that takes weird news from across the world. And while many of these stories may seem fake, they're absolutely not. Because they're real.